Wraparound with Grace, Alessia, and Marjorie. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode. There's lots to talk about this week regarding draft prospects, uh, eliminated teams, and lots more. So let's get right into it. We're going to start off with the teams that just got recently eliminated. We have Boston, Philadelphia, Colorado, and Vancouver. So we're going to start off with Boston. I know that last week's episode, we spoke a lot about Boston, so we're not going to take up too much time on them this week. It's going to be like just a quick run, run through of what we spoke about last week. So just basically what we said is, I think they just need to kind of refresh the team, get some younger players. Um, What went wrong necessarily in that Tampa series is Tampa's really strong offensively. I think they just got through them in their weak spots. And I don't know. I feel like there isn't too much to say. I don't know what you guys think about uh, Boston. I mean, like we said last week, their core has been together for over a decade and they're starting to get older. So like you said, a refresh, some new faces in Boston would definitely help the team. And like you said, Tampa is really strong this year. So I wasn't surprised that uh, Boston had trouble making it onto the next round. I said what I needed to say last week. (laughs) Done deal. Grace has nothing else to say. Her time about speaking about Boston is up. I'm done. Never again. (laughs) Talk to me next year. And so after Boston, we have our dear, dear Philadelphia. <sighs> Everybody take a moment to send your good thoughts to Marjorie. I know this is really <laughs> difficult for her. It's a, It's been tough. It's been tough. Not going to lie. But like, as we've been seeing, New York has just been playing really, really incredibly good. I think we've been until <laughs> I think we've been underestimating them this whole time. Or have we? <laughs> well, last week I think I was the only one, or was it the week before that I said that the Islanders would beat the Flyers, but it would be close. Yeah, I mean, it, they we did have some pretty good close series, and the thing with Philadelphia was that they just couldn't get their offense going. You know, they they couldn't score many goals it's kind of the same problem they had when they faced Montreal they just couldn't get big leads in order to I I don't know if that makes sense to get bigger leads in order to defend better because if you have such tight leads it's kind of hard yeah because you're you're always focused on the offense exactly Mm -hmm. and so um I think that was just their main main I guess Achilles heel I guess you could call it that they just couldn't really score that's a fancy word for 11 in the morning we're recording way (laughs) earlier than we usually do and we're all sitting here half asleep in our pajamas um yeah (laughs) we'll start it this week i don't know what the flyers did i forgot they got eliminated until i read it in the outline this morning i was just thinking about how i didn't want to talk about boston but i was just upset because carter hart didn't deserve this no and he he was playing exceptionally well throughout this whole series, and uh, you couldn't really tell that it was his first time playing in the playoffs ever. It looked like he had experience for years and years and years. He did an amazing job, but obviously he's still very young. He still needs to grow as a starter. There's still lots and lots of years for him to grow, but I think the Flyers should be very, very happy with the performance that he gave during those series. He... 
he pretty much gave the Flyers a chance to actually win series and to actually go ahead in the playoffs when it probably seemed like that they weren't going to, especially giving away bad goals. And that was his fault, but also just them not helping him and giving him the opportunity to actually perform even better than he already was. So, I mean, it's sad to see them go, but I feel like there's definitely more improvement for the team, and I feel like there's definitely a reason as to why they didn't get through. Yeah, and, like, I totally understand that. I mean, Carter Hart, we're going to keep talking about him because (laughs) we have to. We aren't going to be able to talk about him again. Um, He's 22. Like, I know 22-year-olds who can't tie their shoes yet. So the fact (laughs) that he's playing in the Stanley Cup finals or the Stanley Cup playoffs, fantastic. Good for him. Um, I think that, yeah, his team needs to be stronger in front of him. And But there's nothing really wrong with him. He just needs to develop, which, like, is the only thing you can expect from a child. <laughs> yeah, like you guys said, he, he looked like a goalie with a lot of playoff experience underneath his belt. And he's only 22 years old, which is amazing. He did have – I was watching him against the Islanders during the series. He did have a, a few rough games, but overall he played great. And like Marjorie said, he gave – the team a chance to win and we touched upon how they were having trouble scoring goals and it's not like scoring goals it's more like creating like quality goals like not just like tip-ins or like redirects which were exactly against Montreal there were so many deflections off of players I can't even count on one hand how many <laughs> there were but when I look at the team um the goals came from like their bottom six forwards so like michael raffle scott lawden um i was looking more uh, i was looking for players like drew and konechny to step up drew only had one goal in the playoffs konechny didn't even score one goal but they had a decent amount of assists but like i said you need those top six forwards to perform in order to go far in playoffs exactly there's a reason why they pay them the big bucks it's because they produce offensively and 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 if they can't do that in the playoffs then how can you really expect the team to move on with just their third and fourth line players producing it's it's kind of impossible and just to rely on your goalie that's even worse so I think during this offseason maybe the Flyers need to look a little bit more towards their offense and just I guess keep conditioning players in order to get them prepared for next year's playoff run and so with that, with us being, uh, I mean, talking about the Eastern Conference, let's move on to our little Western Conference buddies. Let's move on to Colorado. I mean, Alessia's pick. Yeah. For <laughs> the final. <laughs> they, I forgot that that was your pick. No longer there. That was my Stanley Cup favorite. Um, although I said that I didn't see them going forward beating uh, the stars but they were my stanley cup favorite yeah sadly know. sadly the the avalanche were plagued with injuries especially yeah. philip grubauer um he was playing really really well for the avalanche but then pavel Frankus came in and he did not play very well compared to grubauer he gave up 13 goals over three games and had a save percentage a save percentage of 0.848 okay that is can we absolutely horrendous that is terrible i haven't seen a save percentage that bad from like a playoff goaltender ever that's so close <laughs> to going below 800. Like, that's so close to going below 800. And to give 13 goals over three games? 
That's insane. It's that's ridiculous. That's that's so unacceptable, and especially when you compare it to his regular season save percentage of point nine two three uh, over thirty one games. And like he how, had how do you and do he had that? a goal against average of two point forty one, and he went twenty one seven and four. So he played really really well during the regular season. He just played horribly. Pavel, what happened to you? <laughs> Who hurt you? <laughs> and so I feel like that was probably the biggest problem for the avalanche losing grubauer they also had a lot of other injuries to i'm pretty sure to their forwards i can't remember specifically yeah one was matt calvert and then in game seven they were missing captain gabriel aniskog because he got cut on his leg and it uh, forced him to be sidelined for game seven but he was still healthy it was just that injury i mean it's not like a like it's not like they lost a lot of players to injuries. They lost significant players to injuries. What is what like we're gathering from this? But at the same time, the problem is is that they really couldn't perform even with those players gone. You know, good teams can still play when they lose significant players, and obviously Colorado c- couldn't do that. But as we're seeing, the Stars have been playing really, really well. They've been playing a really well uh, defensive game also. So I don't know. I guess it was hard for Colorado to kind of get through to them. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It it was nice to see them come back from being behind 2-0. Yeah. And I've mentioned these two players a lot. McKinnon played amazing in 15 playoff games, 9 goals, 16 assists, 25 points. And then you have a young guy, Makar, in the playoffs. Four goals, 11 assists, 15 points. And then Nazem Kadri, who is basically running the Colorado's power play. I know, I can see Grace. (laughs) Sad. (laughs) But he he was key to the success of Colorado's power play, to be honest. But yeah, there were some injuries and... Colorado didn't make it on so <laughs> yeah and clearly obviously the, the the biggest problem they had was in goaltending obviously if Philip Grubauer was in net I feel like it would have been a very very different story I definitely don't think he would have allowed 13 goals over three games I feel like he definitely would have given the avalanche a more of a fighting chance but unfortunately he got injured that's just the way it goes and they're out <laughs> You got to give credit, though, to uh, Michael Hutchinson, who was oh, yeah. their third string goalie who came <laughs> in and played. He played decent for what it was. He so, played Alessia. okay for how awful he was playing with the Leafs. Oh, Alessia, sorry. That's I'm another not, ex-Leafs I'm not fan. Anymore. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I forget now. some of these guys are ex-Leafs. So. Literally every guy's ex-Leafs. Oh, my gosh. Every guy that's, like, surprisingly producing in the playoffs is an ex-Leaf. So the last team on our list to be spoken about is the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I think at one point we said that we really didn't expect much from them, which was kind of, I guess, mean on our part because they did play a really good series against the Golden Knights. But alas, we were correct. They did not get through. And uh, I mean, it wasn't a series that I was really keeping an eye on. I mean, it was a good back and forth and, you know, I guess it would have been a good series to watch, but at the end of the day, I don't think I was really expecting the Canucks to get through that series. I don't know about you. I was worried no. at one point. But <laughs> you were worried? I was worried. Vegas, I don't know. They let their guard down for a hot second there, and mm-hmm. it just, like, 
I started to get a little bit nervous. I was watching the games and I was like, don't do this to me. Don't do it. And they didn't, which was nice. But yeah, I was nervous at one point. They did. Vancouver seemed to have like a spark for a couple games there. Um, and they seemed to just want it more than Vegas. And then that flipped. But I, I was worried. They did have potential. So it was kind of sad to see them go, but also, haha. I mean, they had a really good goaltending in Demko. He made some, like, ridiculous saves. Yeah. He, he did mm-hmm. make some, like, really great saves. And, like, once again, he did uh, give Vancouver a fighting chance to actually pass through that round. But I don't know. At the end of the day, I feel like Vegas just, I guess, outskated them and just had more of an offensive threat than Vancouver because I think Vancouver is a little bit more defensive heavy and so I feel like there wasn't that balance for them to get back against Vegas I mean when you look at when you look at Vancouver's like roster and you look at their defense other than Quinn Hughes in the playoffs the defense like wasn't amazing like they weren't crazy good but like we said, Canucks still played well, but we kind of knew Vegas was the better team in this one. Yeah, and I don't know. I feel like maybe Vancouver has to do something, some changes once again to get their offense going. I mean, Canucks GM Jim Benning kind of put right winger Jake Furtanen on blast and just said he expected more from him which is kind of rough because you're signaling out one individual player and especially because the Canucks have been giving Vertanen lots and lots of chances they kept it around for a very long time so I don't know what they're going to do there maybe they're going to finally be trading him uh, resolve whatever issue they might have at right wing or on their offense but I kind of found that funny that he just was like yeah he should have been better I think it's interesting when like the GM seem to expect more than like all of the fans because it's like he yeah, he absolutely just roasted him during that media <laughs> conference. And it was like, oh, well, none of us expected him to be that good. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. I think it'd be good if they kind of move on from Jake Vertanen. I mean, it'll be weird, but it'll be good. Yeah, I've only ever thought of Jake Vertanen as a Canuck. Right? Especially be- because yeah. he's from BC. So, it's going to be weird to see him in some other jersey. But, I don't know. It sucks to see the last Canadian team... Leave? No, it does not. Yes, it does. No, it we doesn't. All, we all knew there wasn't going to be a Canadian team. But yes, at the end of the day, we knew that it just probably wasn't in the cards and whatever. I think uh, Vancouver still has a lot of um, space to grow and I feel like their time will come soon, but it definitely was not this year. And I don't think any of us were really expecting them to come out flying this year. So those were all of the eliminated teams. Sucks to see them go, but we still have really great series to watch right now. <laughs> Grace was like, mm, not really. Does it, does it suck to see them they, go? They still played very well-fought series. So I don't know. It's still kind of sucky to see really great teams go. But like I said before, it probably wasn't the year, and clearly it wasn't. And moving on, we're going to speak about the Edmonton bubble, because now all of the teams are officially in the Edmonton bubble. And 
when did I speak about this? I think I mentioned this about two episodes ago. So maybe in episode four or three, I spoke about the NBA allowing family members into the bubble um, during the second round. And so, and I asked you guys, do you think the NHL should be doing something like that? Or do you think they'll be adopting something like that? And lucky here, my friends, they are doing something like that. They are uh, allowing Canadian family members to enter the uh, Edmonton bubble uh, they'll be allowed to join as long as they hear by the quarantine regulations. They're still waiting to hear back from the Canadian government regarding the permittance of family members who aren't Canadian citizens. So I don't know, is this the end to zero positive tests? You know, can, can they actually do this and continue having zero positive tests? I don't know. I think that The NHL has been doing a really good job, considering that before the bubble, they had several players who had tested positive. Mm -hmm. And then during the bubble, they've had none. So I feel like all of these Canadian family members should be fine, as long as the NHL is as strict with them as they were with their players. I don't like it, but like, I'm I'm not mad about it. It, It'll be okay. Just don't let the non-Canadian family members come in. That's what I was going to say. I feel like with the borders being closed, I don't feel like they should be given um, like a special entrance. I don't feel like they, they're any like they're special than anybody else, any other U.S. citizen. So they shouldn't be given a pass just to come see their um, spouse play in or son or brother, or whatever, play in the NHL playoffs. I don't think it's really that significant that they have to come in here. So I don't know. I mean, I would just- Is that a rule though? Sorry, is that a rule though? Like, is it just like significant others or is it- You see, I don't know. I don't know. They didn't really specify. I didn't know if they did something like the NBA where it was like just immediate family and like long time close personal friends. I don't know (laughs) if they have that same rule. I'm still like really- (laughs) like weird about I'm still really weird about that one option so I when I was reading I didn't really read anything too much about that I think they're still waiting for like the Canadian government to come back to them to really get into the logistics of what it's going to be like but I was going to ask you guys if they can't guarantee everyone's family um, into the bubble should they really be doing it like is that really fair I don't think it's I don't think it's fair like (laughs) the idea of bringing family members into the bubble is good only because the players are able to see their family but at the same time it's a risk there might be a chance that there is a COVID case that pops up there might not be the NHL has done fantastic job um you know doing all the stuff for COVID and then when I thought about it because I even wrote down last night what's the point if not everybody's family members can make it into the bubble like you said I don't think there should be an exception that if you're an immediate if you're part of a player's immediate family you should be let across the U.S. Canadian border just doesn't make sense to me and when you look at the teams who are left now they're all American teams I'm sure a lot of the families of these teams are residing in the U.S. right now or they're living there so how many family members are even going to make the trip to come and see their spouse or their family member play I don't know also, all of the players with um, kids in school, if yeah, the kids are starting too. to go back to school, um, it's like, how, how are you going to make allowances for all of this? 
And I, yeah. I don't think they can like with good conscience and be like, hey, yeah, 20% of you get to see your families while the other 80% get to sit here and suffer for the next month. So I don't think it really makes sense um, to do it. I understand why they're doing it. It's been a, it's been a while since they've seen their families, which makes sense. Um, but it doesn't really make any sense to me. That's why I like it more for just like the players being able to see their family. But then I don't like it because of the whole situation with the U.S. Canadian border. Would they be allowed to come? There's there's so many risks and so much that the league would have to go through. Yeah, I just don't think there should be an exemption for someone's family member just because, you know, they so happen to play in a professional league. Like, I just feel like that makes no sense. There's, they're no any different from, like I said before, from a regular American citizen. Um, if they come into Edmonton, what's going to stop them from just walking around and like seeing what Edmonton has to offer? Realistically, I don't really know what <laughs> Edmonton has to offer because I don't know my tourist attractions in every city, but the NHL would have to make very, like very strict rules in order to keep those family members from leaving the hotel and I feel like that would be hard especially having young kids or you know who knows what maybe you want to bring a pet it'll be hard with the NBA lucky for them they're at Disney so it makes it a little bit easier for kids (laughs) it makes it a little easier for their kids to walk around and roam around and keep busy and keep preoccupied I don't understand why they introduced this so late in the game like I get the other thing I get maybe because like it's getting closer to the actual final but at the same time like it's September it's getting colder you know like Alessia said kids are going back to school I feel like they could have maybe allowed it at the very beginning and eventually left them like let them leave just so like I guess they could have spent some time with their family a little bit longer and then get back into things but I don't see what the point is to bring them in now I think it's kind of weird and I think until we actually hear what the NHL has in plan or has in store like regarding rules and who's allowed to actually come in I feel like we won't really be able to kind of what is it judge (laughs) their plan but I don't know I feel like it's kind of risky at this point especially with everything and especially sadly right now cases are they're starting to go up. increasing again so it makes things extra hard so hopefully if family members are allowed to come in it doesn't really affect their zero positive test streak because they've been doing so incredibly well it'd be kind of sucky to see one positive test pop up but i don't know edmonton you better not allow Americans, please, because <laughs> I certainly don't want them here for a very long time because I'm trying to keep Canadians safe. And I think we can all agree with that. I feel like a lot of Canadians really want to keep that border closed and want to stay away from Americans as much as possible. Also, especially like, let's just say they let like families in and then the team gets eliminated. Like you're only going to let them in for like, what, one or two weeks when they would have seen their family right away anyways well the chances of them getting this pulled together by the end of this round slim so it'll probably just be for the final and the final could be four days like we don't know what their plan is so it'll be a week at the most that they're in the bubble and then they have to quarantine for 14 days like i don't think any of this 
mathematically makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense at all. I think they just introduced it way too late. They mm-hmm. should have just done it at the beginning so the players would have had more time to spend with their family before they like left. And then they would have been happy and then they would have been, I guess, satisfied with the time that they spent, even though I'm pretty sure they spent a, a good chunk of time with their family members. But I don't know. Let's see what the NHL does with this whole situation. It's, it's kind of, uh, I guess, wacky to see just because of how everything's unfolding. Especially we have to see what the Canadian government says because we all know that they were very strict with the Blue Jays not playing in Toronto. So I highly doubt that they'll allow um, family members who aren't Canadian into this bubble. So we'll have to see and uh, wait what the NHL announces, but it'll be exciting because I want to see if they allow close, personal, longtime friends (laughs) on that list. (laughs) I just want to know how often you've been thinking about that. Like, I feel like it's been something that's been picking at your brain for the past, like, month. I just, as soon as I saw when the NBA announced that, I was like, I don't understand. (laughs) Like, why? Like, I know that NBA players have, like, entourages and they have, like, people in their personal, like, bubble that, like, they like to keep close because that's just the lifestyle that they live. But I still find it kind of funny that, like, they just want one of their buddies in, like, a bubble with them. I don't know. Instead of their family member, I just kind of find it funny. Is it time for my favorite segment? Yes, the weekly. Can I say it? Can I, can oh. I, can I, can I say it? Hey, <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. It's time for the weekly audience engagement. <laughs> that was really sad, guys. I really put I put all my effort into that and you gave me we, nothing. Clearly we have no energy. <laughs> well, ever since you guys made fun of it, I don't really ever have energy to introduce this segment. <laughs> It kind of makes me sad every time I see the name. I just Marjorie, we love you. No. We do love no. you. We just, we don't love W-A-E. The way? Oh. The way? <laughs> <laughs> there. I like the shortened version better. All right, we have it. It's time for the way. <laughs> the way. So this episode's way is which underdog team will make it out of their respective conference. So our options were Dallas or New York. So Alessia, if you want to give us those results. So on Instagram right now, it's a 50-50 tie for the first time. So 50% Islanders, 50% Stars. On Twitter, it's 100% people voted the Stars would move on. Yeah, Rude. because that was one vote and that was me. <laughs> there was three votes. Oh, there was three votes because last time I checked, it was just my vote. And I was Uh-oh. like, great. Yeah, I didn't vote. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I voted stars, so. I voted stars too. I, I mean, as much as like the Islanders have been playing really well and um, they've have been they? No, let's talk about the Islanders. I mean, they've been Eight playing two- and then they lost again last night? No. They've been playing well not... in the other series. Oh. But I was specifically going to say that they've been having good goaltending, and that's obviously what's been pushing them through the playoffs. But, and like I was going to say, as much as we like underestimate the Islanders and how much they can like pass through, I really don't think they'll no, be able to. No, but here's pass my thing we haven't been lighting. underestimating the Islanders. This is what we said would happen from the beginning. They, they were have just the possibility. Lucky. They have the possibility. We always had like 
some caution. We would say, we don't think they'll make it, but there's a possibility that they will. They were is- just lucky. We're seeing the true Islanders right now. <laughs> I've never been happier about it. Anyway, back to the way. Sorry. <laughs> but no, I was just saying that I chose the stars. And, as lo- and even though that the Islanders, let's just say, have been lucky enough to pass through these rounds, um, Tampa Bay has just been really, really good this year. And they've been really, really good in these playoffs. Their offense is kind of insane. Vasilevsky, there we go. I can never say names. Oh, my gosh. Vasilevsky has been playing really, really well. Um, So, I don't know. I'm sorry, Islanders. Once again, I have to say that you will not be making it through this round. I hope I'm right this time. But I don't know about you guys. I mean, okay. So, when I looked at the question, um, I looked at the Stars versus the Knights. And I couldn't, honestly, when I look at that matchup, I don't see, like, one team designated the underdog. I think it's, like, a fairly good matchup. But when I look at Tampa versus the Islanders, look, any team going against Tampa right now is an underdog. They're just that powerful this year in the playoffs. So I went with the Stars. Um, what did they, they lose, what, 3 nothing against the Knights the other night? What was the score? Something like that. I think it I want to say three. Three nothing. Oh, okay. Yeah, Leonard got a shutout. He's been great. Yeah, Leonard's been that's great. my thing. The Vegas will make it if they don't play Mark Andre Fleury. I just got stomach <laughs> cramps when I said that. <laughs> like that hurt me. The thing, okay. The reason, like, why I think um, I worded the question underdog because I remember a couple of weeks ago we had spoken about the Islanders and how they were like fifth in their division and like they like barely made it through that um cut to get entered into the bubble and so i think that kind of classifies as an underdog team but dallas but dallas did was playing really really well in the regular season so that one is kind of like iffy as alessia said that's a pretty good matchup against the knights but dallas is an underdog in the sense that how is dallas good Yes, exactly. Like how like I don't think none of us would have thought that Dallas would be in the West Finals right now. I don't think anybody would be like I don't think at the beginning someone would be like what's your prediction for the West Final and someone would have said the Dallas Stars. I saw Dallas going far but not this far because when I was doing like I don't know if you guys did like the bracket or whatever, mm-hmm. I did have the matchup being Colorado versus Dallas and I thought Colorado would beat Dallas. I never thought Dallas would beat Colorado, but it did go <laughs> to seven games. But like you said, I didn't see them going this far. Like they're good enough to make it past, like get to like the second round, but I wasn't too sure about making it to the conference finals for them. And out of and out of those two teams, out of Dallas and New York, I feel like Dallas has more of a well-rounded team to, like, help them yeah. get past They're just uh, stronger. the team they're playing. Yeah. Like, in multiple ways. Like, not only are they good in net, but they have a really good defense, and they can score, you know, lots of goals. And I feel like with New York, we don't really see that. I feel like they can kind of just defend, and they have a good goaltender. But other than that, like – I don't think there's a lot of highlight highlight real goals that we're seeing from the Islanders or like lots of like highlight real plays. And I don't think that that's kind of the team that they're showing right now. Like, like you said, I feel like they're kind of lucky, but luck can only get you so far. 
Yeah, I don't know which game it was that the Islanders played. It was an OT game, and I just didn't think they were strong defensively. I thought they were going to lose, and I think they ended up winning. I can't remember which game it was, but yeah, I just I didn't think they were too great defensively. I know they have some star players up front, Barzal, Beauvillier, but I don't know. Tampa's uh, very strong. Wouldn't be surprised if they make it make it on. Actually, they probably are going to make it on. And yeah, they're I think they're now a cup favorite. That's that's pretty yeah. obvious right now. I just like to say that they've always been my cup favorite. <laughs> yeah. They they have that. You can listen to they our have. last couple episodes and you can listen Grace saying her prediction. We'll give her that. <laughs> but the last the last couple series, the Islanders' best defense was their was their goaltender Verlamov, but clearly that is not the case in this series against um the lightning i mean i watched last night's game and like that one was i guess more evenly played than the first game of the series where they were absolutely just you know yeah mm, knocked over but the lightning were lucky to get that to get that bounce at, in the very last dying seconds of the game but like we keep on saying, the Lightning haven't been so good. And honestly, I think they're all of our cup, cup favorites at this point. But let's see. We've been talking about the Islanders and what has been kind of working for them. But what has been working for the Dallas Stars? So with Dallas, I think they have some great players. Jamie Benn, Alexander Radulov, who's been a great competitor. He's taken some penalties. We saw that um, against the Avalanche. But when he's hot, he's a great player. On defense, they have Miro He's I can't even say his name. Miro Heiskinen. I say Heiskinen. I say Heiskinen too, but sometimes when I see the name, it just like throws me off. He's leading the team in points with 21 in the playoffs, which is amazing for a young defenseman. Defenseman, keyword, defenseman. Yes. And uh, the Dallas Stars also have John Klingberg, who's a really big part of the team and their defensive core. Um, if you've watched him while he's played, he's really good at walking the line and making smart plays at the blue line. So overall, Dallas is good, really good offensively and defensively. One player I'm looking to see more out of is Tyler Sagan. I think he needs to be a bit better mm-hmm. um, for the Dallas Stars if they want to move forward against the Knights. I think we always expect a lot of out of Sagan just because I feel like people know the kind of player he can be. And um, to see everybody else producing and him not so much, I feel like once he, I guess, turns that on, I think the stars will definitely be a force to be reckoned with. That was our way. I don't know how I feel about that (laughs) anymore because now every time I say it, it sounds kind of funny. But we're going to move on to our next segment, which is draft prospects which is something really exciting to talk about because young players are always fun to talk about because they just keep on getting better and better every year it's kind of ridiculous how good these kids are getting and to think that they're getting younger than us is also kind of just crazy to think about that that is just it's just weird that players that were born in like 2002 and like 2003 are eventually going to get drafted into NHL. It's just, it blows my mind. Either way, the NHL has um, set the draft to begin on October 6th and free agency on October 9th. So that is very, very soon. Free agency is literally less than 
just like a day less than a month away. So it's going to be exciting to see how that pans out because we all know, and we were speaking the last two episodes, how there's a lot of great players on the chopping block who are either going to get traded, who are going to get resigned. There's just so many players to, to look out for. And I'm pretty sure in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have our own little segment on news and who's up for grabs and who, <laughs> who's left teams. <laughs> so it'll be exciting. Grace is like, more work. More research, <laughs> but no. Out of <laughs> but I'll be excited to see, and I'll be excited how this draft goes, especially with everything going on, and see how they get it done. It'll be cool to see a virtual draft this year. <laughs> uh, we're gonna start off with their prospects. We have three very good prospects. I was looking on all the lists on of all the people I could find. And these are by far the three top players on pretty much majority of these people's lists. So the first one we're going to start off with is Alexi Lafreniere. We have spoken about Lafreniere when uh, it was revealed that the Rangers would be getting the first overall pick. Which I'm still mad about, by the way. (laughs) I think, and I can't remember who said this, but I was looking on TSN and how they were writing about that Lafreniere is probably the most sure thing to uh, come out of this draft in like the in like this time of uncertainty, which is very true because he's probably he's probably not even probably he's probably it's like ninety nine percent certain that he will go first overall. I feel like it'd be kind of impossible for him. Imagine not to if go. he doesn't. Can you imagine? That'd just be ridiculous. I like I don't even know what the Rangers would be thinking. <laughs> I mean, because do they need Lafreniere? No, not really. But at I the same time, team. if they if they don't, are they stupid? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know there's been like players over the year, or like there's been one and two, like there's been draft prospects that have been in the one and two position, and like people didn't know whether or not they would go at one or two, and so it was kind of like, ooh, I wonder who's going to go at number one. But with him, I feel like we all know, yeah, he's going to go at number one. Yeah. And so, uh, like we said a couple efforts, episodes ago, he is the World Juniors MVP. He played for Canada. And he had a total of 332 points, including the playoffs over his three seasons with Ramuski of the QMJHL, which is kind of ridiculous. Just over three seasons to have that many points. It just goes to show how amazing of a player he is. That's like um, averaging 110 points a season. That's incredible. That's crazy. Insane. Oh my god, it's quick crazy. math. I'm so bad. <laughs> Smart. Smartness <laughs> at this early of the morning. But yeah, that's pretty impressive. It thank is you, very thank impressive. You very much. <laughs> but I feel like, but the, honestly, there isn't too much to say about him. I think we all know that he's a really impressive player. He obviously can produce. I mean, I think he can fit in pretty much anywhere. I don't think it'll be too hard to place him somewhere. And like I think I mentioned a couple of uh, episodes ago, him being at the winger position, New York has great players at that winger position that can help mentor him and guide him. And um, I don't know, I feel like he won't be really overshadowed or at New York. So I think it'll be a good placement for him. And I don't know, there's not too much to say about him. I think it's kind of self-explanatory. Yeah, I mean, we've already mentioned so many times, like he's a great competitor he has a great compete like competitive level we saw during the world juniors under pressure he's able to elevate his game so quickly it's 
it's crazy good. Like he's amazing. Uh, he's also a playmaker, and his vision of the game is great. So I mean, we've we've said these like these things so many times. So it's just well, and like so has everybody else. Like, what more can we say about Alexi Lafreniere? Like, there's yeah. literally nothing. Everybody said everything already. So it's kind of like yeah, the first overall pick who we all already know about. Great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like it's like it's exciting to see what he's gonna do. To think of what he can do. So yeah, this like... go Marjorie go. Oh no, I was just gonna. I feel like with like people are just now focusing on like the second and third and fourth round picks and not the first round pick. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say this morning, I was curious. I'm like, okay, let me see all the awards and accomplishments he has underneath his belt. And I knew um, I saw on the doc, cause we have our little doc for the wraparound that he was the MVP for the world juniors and best forward he won as well. Then I saw it's now two years in a row that he's the CHL player of the year. And there's so many other awards I can't even remember, but I have that written down. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, he's definitely accomplished a lot in those three seasons with Ramuski, which is kind of crazy. But like I said, I feel like people are no longer focusing on that first round pick because I feel like everybody just knows who it's going to go to. I feel like now the big ones are going to be second, third, fourth, and fifth, because those are inter obviously always interchanged and people never know who's going to go at that number. So second on our list is Quinton Byfield. He somehow my most favorite and least favorite OHL player on the entire planet. Really? I say most favorite because he's awesome. I say least favorite because I'm a Hounds fan. So Mm. watching him play against the Hounds, Uh. not even. It's just like (laughs) he's my least favorite because of how annoying he is when he plays. I'm like, how can you be so good? (laughs) And you're so young. He's actually, he's incredibly good. Um, He was really entertaining to watch from what I remember watching him. And it was always like, oh, we're playing the Wolves in Byfield. Like that was, hmm. that's what, that was what you thought. So he's really um, impressive when you watch him play. He's also really irritating when you watch him play because it's like, how do you, how are you such a well-rounded player? Yeah. At such a young age. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and all those mock drafts. And like I said before out there, Byfield and our next pick, which is Stutzel, they're either ranked second or third and they're always uh, changing so either one is ranked second or the other one's ranked third or like the other way around so it'll be good to see how those two picks go and like grace was saying he's an exceptionally well-rounded player he collected 82 points in the 2019-2020 season with the Subway wolves and remember that th- that season was cut short so just imagine if that season had gone the full length i'm sure he would have gone to 100 points easily and he's a centerman so of course centerman's produce a lot of points but for him to produce so much in a short span of that season is kind of incredible to see and I don't know LA or Ottawa would be really lucky to have him as a a player who produces all the points because I think we all know that LA and Ottawa are both looking to kind of revamp their team especially Ottawa trying to you know um do a whole refresh or, or like a yeah, restart of the see, team. That's yeah. why I don't want him to go to Ottawa, just because that team is such a giant dumpster fire. <laughs> I'm like, he won't, he won't have the space to, to actually perform. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, you'll, you'll be taken care of in LA, so just they can take you. That's fine. 
Yeah, and as we as we mentioned, like he is a young player. I believe he just turned eighteen, which a lot of Crazy. people a lot of people forget about that because when you're looking at a player's development, one year can make an, a ginormous difference. Mm-hmm. So there's still room for Quinton Byfield to grow and develop as a player. Sorry, I just and- threw up a little bit because I just realized <laughs> they're all younger than we are. I know. That's what I was literally saying. It's crazy <laughs> to think that players born in 2002, 2003 are now going to be eventually drafted. It's just, it just blows my mind. It's kind of, it's icky for me. I don't know. I feel so old, even though we're like 19. <laughs> but, um, but no, like Grace was saying, I think if he did go to LA, that'd be kind of good for him because there's some big boys in LA. And so I think yeah. he'd, he'd really get, uh, I think they would toughen him up a lot quicker than if he played in Ottawa. And I think that's the best thing um, for a player at his age and for his development. I was going to say, I think LA would be a better fit for him because like you said, there's bigger guys there and Quinton Byfield is a big player. He can either beat you with his size and his power or his vision and skill on the ice. So I don't know. I just see him fitting in more with LA than Ottawa. The other thing is that like during the draft, when you have teams like Ottawa drafting up high, um, It kind of sucks for the player they draft just because they can't do a total rebuild in one year. So yeah, they can develop them as best as they can, but they're not going to get that same level of compete or anything as they would on other teams. And like, yeah, that's how the draft works, blah, blah, blah. Get off my back. Um, (laughs) But it's like, it just sucks to see players who have such a huge um, potential to develop really well and become one of the greatest players in the league. And go to a team where they for the first couple years when they're so young um and and trainable uh that their development's kind of going to get slowed down by the team being focused on rebuilding instead of just building the talent they already have yeah that's why I think if Detroit had gotten the first pick as if like as everybody predicted and that's how that's the that's how the draft is supposed to work I don't think um Lafreniere would have had the opportunity either I mean Detroit I don't know. Detroit is just such a weird team. They played awful. Uh, they don't have that many great players. Um, so I feel like Lafreniere would have been the main focus, and I feel like it would have been a lot on his back. And there's already so much on his back because everybody always already expects so much of him. And so let's say if he went to a team like Detroit where they just don't have enough players to kind of back him up, if he didn't play as well as everybody expected him to uh, to play, then everybody would just obviously hit on him and um, obviously give him a lot more flack than he probably deserves. If he goes to a team like New York, there's a lot more bigger name players that can help support him. He's not going to be the main center of attention, and um, there's not going to be so much pressure put on him. Like, as we were saying, if Quentin Byfield went to Ottawa. So lastly, we have Mr. Tim Stutzel. I love saying his last name because he's German. Stutzel. <laughs> and so he plays for Adler Mannheim in the German Hockey League, DEL, which is Deutsche Ice Hockey Liga. I also wanted to say that because it sounded fun. And he can play center or left wing. So he's a versatile player. And in his scouting report, he's described as a great skater with slick hands. And so... I feel like with by him playing in the German Hockey League, I feel like he has a little bit more experience playing with uh, with men and with bigger players. Just like let's say Austin Matthews when he played in the Swiss League, he played with uh, with bigger players and and more developed players. 
And so I feel like that definitely helps a lot in his development. I couldn't get much on him in the last season. I don't know if there was a previous season played or if he was injured. I couldn't really look into I, that. Um, the only thing I found was that um, he had 34 points in 41 games. And I was going to say, I had it just written down that um, when you look at the points and they're not as amazing as Quinton Byfield or Alexi Lafreniere, you have to look at that he's playing with men. This is not the OHL or the Q. Yeah. This is he's playing against men and in the world juniors he had five assists in five games. So, you know, that that's pretty good as well. I guess you can I was gonna say he's probably one of the best players coming out of Europe in this year's draft. Yeah, just because he has that experience. Um a lot of even a lot of European players, they still come to the to play in the OHL or in some sort of Canadian league. So it obviously um changes a lot for them. But if they can have experience like this, I think it definitely ranks them even higher than everybody else just because teams already know that they can rely on him and um, expect him to play a good game as soon as he's put into the NHL. They know that there probably isn't – they're not going to spend a lot of time prepping him to play against bigger men. That's what I'm trying to get across. (laughs) I couldn't think of words. (laughs) But yeah, so those are our, our top three picks. I, it'll be interesting to see um, at what number Byfield goes and at what number Stutzel goes. There's still so many other picks that we need to get through, but there's not enough time to get through all of those. It'd probably take us forever. And knowing us, we'd spend 20 minutes on one player. So as the draft gets closer and closer, we'll do, I guess, three picks probably and just talk quickly about them and see where they're going and how they fit with the team that they're supposedly supposed to go to so it'll be exciting to see that it'll be exciting to see how the draft goes and um yeah i'm excited to i'm just excited to see players get moved see what teams acquire uh, what players i feel like that's always the most exciting part of off-season hockey even though there's hockey uh, games being played it's still really exciting to see and so with that being said, there aren't many NHL games to be watching anymore. Okay, I'll, I'll take this one because it's on me. This, <laughs> yes. this whole thing is on me. If I get my act together and get this edited and uploaded on Thursday, um, you'll be watching the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. If I don't, which is probable, and you end up listening to this on Friday, you'll be watching the Tampa Bay and Islanders game. So you got choices, apparently. <laughs> You have two big choices. You have options this week. <laughs> yes. Options, which is uh, very few, but you still have them, which is important. <laughs> you still have the most important games to be played, and they're both really great series, so it'll be exciting. What comes out out of those two series? There'll be plenty of more to speak about next week, and I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this week's episode. Keep your sticks on the ice. And your heels on the dance dance floor. floor. Bye, guys.